Hello and welcome to the Law of the Cards podcast, the podcast that uses Hearthstone as a vehicle to unpack the dense and sometimes complex lore of the Warcraft universe. Dragon Saga Chapter 4 today, Koros's Gambit. We'll see what Malagos finds when he follows Koros. I hope you enjoy. It was not an easy pursuit. Several times Malagos lost his marks only to rediscover them through sheer determination. Again, he lost Koros. Malagos sniffed the air. He was more than familiar with the foul scent of the deceitful Koros. However, this time, as he sniffed, he caught the scent of something different. It was faint, but distinct. There was something about this scent that spoke of strength. And Malagos, despite knowing he needed to track Koros, was drawn to it. After following the scent a short way, it abruptly vanished. Malagos alighted on a rock to observe the area. At first, he was unable to see anything, but the more the dragon looked, the more the feeling that he was in fact being watched rose within him. Quickly, looking over his left wing, Malagos saw something familiar, though last time he did not get the best look due to a thundering in his head. Malagos asked the small flowing figure that stood before him who it was. No reply. He repeated the question, but found himself now staring at an empty space. The figure was now in the corner of his vision. Frustrated by the silence, Malagos snarled and leapt forward. The figure disappeared once again and reappeared off to the southeast. It seemed as though it was leading Malagos somewhere. What the figure wanted Malagos to witness appeared to be just beyond the nearby rocks. But as the proto-dragon grew closer, he heard a harsh hiss. Instantly recognising this sound was emitted by Koros, Malagos immediately leapt back into the air to resume his hunt. Thinking of the figure, Malagos did take a moment to look back, but seeing it wasn't there confirmed Malagos' plan of action. He would pursue Koros. Malagos was able to see a proto-dragon that was green-blue in colour rise above a hill in the distance and almost immediately dive down. Flying low, Malagos headed toward where he had seen the dragon. Landing against the hillside, Malagos could hear his rival. Koros telling his followers, he always comes here. Something that appeared to distress one of them, as they said they shouldn't be here. A protest immediately silenced by a snapping sound. Malagos moved into position, allowing him to see Koros and his allies, but for them not to see him. Koros was looming above the protester, the wincing proto-dragon nursing a bloody gash along its forehead. Another watched the other two, but there was no sign of the fourth member of Koros's group. Koros chastised the lesser drake, telling it they would live and all others would die. Clearly happy with the idea of survival, the other two nodded their agreement and looked out toward the north. Malagos followed their vision and saw a dark mass forming upon the horizon, which Koros seemed elated about. The blue-green hissed with triumph, gladly stating that Galakrond had listened to his summons and now came to meet Koros and his band. At the mention of Galakrond's name, Malagos's body stiffened. Knowing his rival as he did, even Malagos could not have predicted this treacherous, audacious action. 
Koros clearly cared for neither Ysera or Talonixia's plans. Cautiously, Malagos worked his way down the hillside, his mind racing given what he had just witnessed. As he fretted, he was caught off by a hiss behind him. The missing fourth member of Koros's party was now behind him and collided with the icy blue. Malagos fell to the ground hard, but as he tried to get up, the ground began to swallow him up. The blue-green had shunted him into a tar pit. The more Malagos fought, the more the hungering tar swallowed him up until finally he was fully submerged in the black, viscous liquid. With one final struggle, Malagos broke through to the surface, allowing him to see the blue-green heading back to his friends, grab one final gulp of air, and see the small hooded figure from before watch as the tar covered him again. Blackness was all the proto-dragon could see. He could feel himself suffocating as his last breath ran out. A warm sensation spread over the drake's lower half, as the cloying tar pulled him down further toward magma located deep in the earth. Malagos employed what appeared to be a counterintuitive tactic, pushing the air from his lungs in the form of his chill breath. The blast, which he had directed upward, pushed all the way to the top of the pit, freezing the sides, allowing Malagos to take another gulp of air from the thin tube created. His next breath was directed below, cooling the magma beneath. This gave Malagos enough freedom to start pushing up out of the tar pit. It was a close-cut, tiring affair, but Malagos would claw his way out of the tar pit not a moment too soon. The magma had melted the ice and was rising fast, erupting out of the pit in a column not long after Malagos' successful bid for freedom. Exhausted, Malagos landed. Breathing over his body, he froze the tar that still clung to him, allowing the dragon to shake it off. Malagos knew he needed to find Koros again, frustrated by every minute he needed to recoup his weary body. This time, recovering meant he could lose the dragon's trail. Finally recovered, Malagos took to the air and went back to where he had seen the blue-greens. Unsurprisingly, there was now no sign of them. He sniffed the air, trying to retrieve the scent of Koros, but the region was filled with pungent, unsavoury smells, making that task difficult. Malagos did, however, catch a familiar, unpleasant scent. The scent of the mighty Galakrond. The giant proto-dragon was somewhere far ahead. Malagos desired to turn back, but knew he must push on to discover the depth of Koros's treachery. Flying through Galakron's territory was a very risky business. If the marauding behemoth saw Malagos first, the blue was as good as dead. Malagos followed Galakron's scent. The closer he drew to his quarry, the more he could sense a wrongness in Galakron's odour. The scent was touched with decay, as if Galakron himself were part dead. There was another odd quality to the scent. The only way to describe it was evil. Malagos remembered Galakron was once a somewhat benevolent drake. The proto-dragon had clearly crossed a dark threshold to become what he now was. Halting, Malagos caught another sense, not that of Koros, but one of his companions. Focusing on this, he was able to find Koros's scent as well. And then, 
Another fouler scent joined the others. Quickly realizing what this new scent was, Malagos dropped, narrowly avoiding the grasps of the two not living from above. The two pursued Malagos down to the ground. With the two undead gaining on him, Malagos headed for a natural arch of stone, timing a strike on the arch as the not living were passing through. The stone collapsed down upon the undead. One was reduced to pulp, while the other lost control, colliding with a wall. Malagos fell upon the undead almost instantly, blasting it with a torrent of frost. Before the undead could recover from the icy attack, Malagos collided with it, seizing its neck in his jaws and tearing at its chest with his claws. The brittle undead flesh fell away, and once a large cavity had formed, Malagos thrust his muzzle within, tearing out all he could and eventually decapitating the not living. Its body feebly stumbled around, and when it came in Malagos' direction, the icy blue merely stepped aside to allow it past. As Malagos did, however, he screamed in agony. The discarded head had sunk its teeth into one of his hind legs. Malagos' hide was punctured, and blood now ran down his leg. Seizing the head, Malagos tore it off and threw it from himself. Inspecting his throbbing wound, Malagos let out a careful measured portion of his freezing breath, cooling the wound, numbing the pulsing pain, and stemming the blood flow. Wind blew through the recent battle scene, Malagos lifting his snout to zone in on Koros once again. He and his followers seemed to have deviated somewhat from their path following Galakrond, something the Blue would endeavour to find out why. Not wanting to be set upon by more of the not living, Malagos followed the scent, careful to remain downwind of those he tracked so that they would not smell him. As he neared Koros's position, a new unmistakable scent joined that of the Green Blues, the scent of fresh blood. He could now hear Koros hissing angrily. All Malagos had to do now was peer round the rock, which he had selected for a hiding place. Malagos would look upon the scene before him with pity, as a fire orange juvenile, a proto-dragon from Alex Straza's family, stood in between Koros and his minions, bloodied and beaten. Koros's anger was directed at the two males he travelled with. Do it, Koros demanded, saying it was the way Galakrond had done it. Malagos watched on, still in the dark as to what Koros meant. The fire orange drake now stirred, and Malagos was able to get a clear view of its grisly wounds. His wing had been torn apart and chest shredded open. The female of Koros's group, a look of pride on her face, told them she had brought this juvenile here for them. They now had to eat it. Recoiling in disgust, Malagos couldn't believe what he was hearing. The two males of the group still shifting hesitantly, the female looked to Koros, who smiled at her, blood coating his teeth. Turning to the juvenile, the female lunged for its throat, tearing a sizable chunk of flesh from it. The two males winced as the female threw the flesh into the air and caught it, swallowing it whole. Sickened and angry, Malagos wanted to help the young proto-dragon, but to do so would have been suicidal. 
the females feeding egged on the males, who now also fell upon the fire orange dragon, tearing at the now dead beast's flesh and consuming it. Malagos could not keep watching. He turned away, retching at what he had witnessed. When only bone and torn skin remained, the blue-greens lifted their bloody muzzles. Koros jubilantly cried that their feast was done, and now that they had consumed the flesh of one of their own, they would soon become stronger. Koros's band had clearly been having doubts about meeting with the humongous Galakrond. There was nothing to prevent the drake from eating them. Koros reasoned that now they had consumed another of their kind, they were like Galakrond, and as a result, the Leviathan would not eat them, but accept them as his followers. Reasoning, Koros's followers fully accepted. Leaving the heap of bones behind, they took to the sky. Malagos knew he should give chase, but something was drawing him to what remained of the fire orange dragon's corpse. The scent of the fresh kill filled Malagos's nostrils as he stooped down further to get a closer look. An impulse from nowhere saw Malagos clamp his jaws around one of the remaining bones. Immediately disgusted with himself, Malagos spat out the bone. Despite this, there was a hunger within Malagos. Something compelled the drake to rake what remaining flesh was on the bone and consume it. Malagos fought the urge. Something within him did not just desire the meat, the blue hungered for the young dragon's lingering life force. Chiding himself, Malagos flew away from the corpse, just focusing on getting as much distance between it and him as he could for now. With the cool air of higher climbs bringing him back to his senses, Malagos veered off to tail Koros once more. Malagos picked up the scents quickly, only now there was a wrongness in the scent that Koros and his followers left, something that stirred the cannibalistic tendency in Malagos again. The blue ignored these urges and continued on at pace. Malagos still had no idea what he was going to do after witnessing Koros and Galakron's meeting, but he did know he needed to find out what Koros was up to for the good of his people. Malagos's rival could lure his people into a trap so that Galakron could devour them all for all he knew. This disturbing thought kept repeating in Malagos's mind until he caught a glimpse of one of the green blues spotting it moving near a creek. Quietly, Malagos landed only a short distance from the other dragon. The blue crept forward, the blue-green giving off rasping sounds as Malagos approached. Koros's companion, one of the hesitant males, was lapping up large gulps of water. It did not look well, his eyes turning a pale yellow and his breathing laboured. Lapping up another mouthful of water, the blue-green choked on it, also bringing up a piece of undigested flesh. Malagos felt shock, and perhaps at that moment he made a sound, as the blue-green whirled round to focus on him. With surprising speed, the sick male attacked Malagos, the blue narrowly dodging a strike that may have ripped his throat out. There was no tactics to the blue-green's attack, it fought with mindless fury, snapping at his adversary so quickly that Malagos struggled to dodge the bites. Malagos had somehow managed to dodge the fatal blows, only sporting a few superficial scratches from the fight so far. These wounds and the ongoing struggle 
triggered something within the blue. The bite which Malagos had sustained from the not living began to throb, and his head began to pound. Malagos's cool, calculated demeanour gave way to savagery. The rage fueled Malagos's body. He assaulted the blue-green with a series of devastating blows. Tooth and claw ripped deep gashes into the sick dragon's hide. Malagos used his forepaws to keep his opponent in place, so that each strike could land with optimum efficiency. Badly wounded, the second male tried to escape, but the bestial Malagos did not let up. He was eager for the kill, eager to taste the dragon's life essence. With a final lunge, Malagos sank his teeth into his opponent's throat and tore a ragged piece of flesh from it. Without thinking, Malagos threw this piece into the air and opened his maw wide. Only when the meat was halfway down his gullet did Malagos regain his senses. Choking on the meat, Malagos was able to dislodge it from his throat, dismayed at himself for what he had almost done. The undead's bite mark pounded with renewed intensity. Malagos stared at it with wide eyes. He now understood. The not living had infected him with this hunger. Malagos continued to resist despite the blue-green's body close by teeming with life essence. As he did with the fire orange, Malagos was able to pull himself away and resume his tracking of Koros. This single bite had almost driven Malagos to madness, but he had been able to resist. What if he hadn't? What if there were proto-dragons that had already been bitten, unable to resist the infected bites? Galacron's scent grew thicker and thicker. Malagos was nearing his final goal. Malagos dove down for cover, but at the same time, just in front of him, Koros and his entourage rose from below. It seemed they had paused for some reason and were recommencing their journey to meet with Galakrond. Unfortunately for Malagos, the female of the group was looking over her shoulder to see if their missing group member was anywhere to be seen. Instead, she caught a quick glimpse of the icy blue. Malagos heard her sharp cry of warning above and did his best to lose his quarry that now pursued him. He winded in and out of the landscape, his wings almost touching the floor. However, visibility was poor, which meant Malagos did not see Koros as he came for the blue from round a bend. The green-blue pushed Malagos into a rocky wall, driving all of the air out of his lungs. It was not long before Koros had backup the female of his band swooping down and pushing Malagos to the ground. All the while, she and Koros snapped, aiming to tear out Malagos's throat. When Malagos was slammed into the ground, the earth shook, which caused rocks to tumble down on the three. On his back, Malagos took the brunt of the falling debris, and when it kept coming thick and fast, Koros and his partner in crime absconded, assuming the blue was soon to be crushed by the weight of the rocks. This looked like it would be the case. Malagos's wing was pinned to the ground, a deluge of debris falling down upon him. With great pain, he was able to free his wing, which allowed him to better protect himself. Only now was Malagos able to take a proper breath from when Koros had pushed the air out of his lungs. He may have breathed in a large quantity of dust, causing Malagos to choke, but he did not hesitate to exhale. 
The wave of frost released created a temporary barrier for the blue to collect himself. With limited space and great effort, Malagos was able to drag himself from the rocks before the ice gave way. And now nearly deaf, Malagos felt a second tremor, causing the blue to quickly move from his position. But this was not another imminent landslide. Galakrond had simply landed. The blue flew in the direction of where the great beast had landed, his hearing thankfully returning so that he could listen to what Koros was saying to the behemoth. The leviathan was booming. It was unlikely Galakrond could speak in anything less than a roar. Malagos had clearly missed the start of the meeting, as the giant was referencing that many would be there. What the many were, Malagos did not know. Koros told Galakrond he wished for him to be his master, that they would feast well and grow strong. It seemed every time Malagos saw Galakrond, he became preoccupied with how the dragon's form had changed since he last viewed him, and this time was no different. Before getting a good look, Malagos made sure to survey the area, in case of lookouts. A wise action, as one of the males in Koros's party had been assigned to keep watch while Koros and the females spoke with Galakrond. The pockmarks on the giant proto-dragon's skin had worsened, and some of the limbs that were once underdeveloped that sprung up over his body were now fully grown. They all dangled, the wings constantly flapping, seeming to try and lift the gargantuan creature off of the ground, a futile effort. There was a new development across Galakron's body, hosts of eyes, all blinking at different times and looking around independently of each other, as if not part of the same beast. One turned its gaze toward Malagos, but the icy blue was able to duck out of sight just in time. Koros continued almost gleefully how he wished to follow Galakrond and how the great proto-dragon would rule all. Malagos was convinced his rival had gone mad, but noticed Galakrond appeared to be listening to the blue-green's words with interest. The giant asked the gnat where they were gathering, and Koros eagerly replied, The jagged valley, soon. This prompted Malagos to hiss under his breath, luckily not loud enough for those he spied on to hear. The depth of Koros's treachery had been revealed. He was revealing Talonixia's plan of attack, giving the giant Galakrond even more of an advantage than he already boasted. It was a place that held relevance to Galakrond. He remembered hunting in this jagged valley when he was small, when he was nothing. Koros leapt on this as a further opportunity to inflate his would-be master's ego, stating the fact Galakrond may have been nothing then, but now he was great. Galakrond eyed the tiny Koros, the limbs on his body clawing the air with agitation, some tearing into the ground as if the rock and soil were but sand. He agreed he was indeed great, but also observed... Koros wished to be great too. Noticing they seemed to be in a volatile situation, the female immediately said they would not be as great as Galakrond. No, never so great as me, 
there can only be one me. Seemingly taking Galacron's proclamation as some sort of threat, the lookout fled, flying high into the sky, abandoning the others. As soon as the drake vanished, Galacron let out an almighty roar and rose up into the air. Goros and his remaining followers sought to retreat, but their speed was no match for Galacron's. He caught the two remaining males in Chorus's band with relative ease, sweeping one up in his wing and swallowing it whole. The other, while his friend perished, sought to flee by flying round the giant, but was seized by one of Galacron's newly developed appendages. The proto-dragon was tossed, squawking with fear, into Galacron's gaping maw. Goros and the female had managed to use the other's deaths to get some distance between them and Galacrond, flying over Malagos's position and too preoccupied with survival to spot the icy blue. This head start did not do them much good. Barely finishing his meal, Galacron went to chase down his next two victims. Despite the smaller proto-dragons flying as desperately as they could, it only took a few beats of Galacron's wings and the giant was upon them. Without hesitation, Koros rammed the female, faltering her speed, sacrificing her so that he may live. Even Malagos had not thought his rival capable of this kind of cowardly betrayal. The female righted herself, just in time to see Galacrond readying his strike. As one final stand, the female exhaled, but while the breath was deadly, it was useless against a monster like Galacrond. He swallowed her whole without losing any of his flight speed. As Galacron's jaws opened again, it seemed Koros was about to get his comeuppance for betraying his species and even his own family. Koros made one more mad bid for freedom, abruptly turning and flying into the behemoth's mouth. He flew to the mouse's roof and clawed at the unprotected flesh. This did cause Galacron to withdraw from his attack, not so much from pain, but surprise at Koros's bold action. The blue-green used Galacron's momentary confusion to increase the distance between them. Koros flew as low as he could, which prevented Galacron from easily snapping him up, but eventually, Koros's treacherous path would cause him to veer up out of necessity, and at that moment, Galacron struck. Another victim, the proto-dragon would swallow whole. Malagos was not concerned for the loss of Koros's life. He had seen what his old rival was capable of, how far he was willing to go to save his own skin, but Malagos was concerned that Galacron would turn and find him. Luckily for Malagos, Galacron found a vast plain in front of him, allowing the dragon to land, sending out another tremor. The icy blue didn't dare to move, until a few moments later, when he heard a low rumbling coming from the giant proto-dragon. With Galacron now sleeping, Malagos seized the opportunity to take flight and return to the rest of his kind. Malagos needed to warn Talonixia. While he thought her plan to attack was near suicidal, with the advantage of surprise, they may win out. With that gone, the proto-dragons would be flying into a bloodbath, especially if Galacron struck before the army was fully assembled. 
With all haste, Malagos pushed on, hoping to warn Talonixia before Galakrond awoke, and hoping that the stubborn leader of the army would listen to him. The Blue heard another rumbling. Panicking, Malagos flew low. If Galakrond already flew again toward the other proto-dragons, it was almost a certainty he would see Malagos. The icy blue's frayed nerves were put at ease when realising this rumble was that of a thunderstorm. The storm was not a heavy one, Malagos taking a moment to pause to gather himself. Despite being young and fit, Malagos could feel himself tiring. The pain in his leg and wing were taking their toll, but he knew he must press on. He could have even less time than he initially thought, because if the rains were to reach Galakrond and wake him, the behemoth could begin his assault earlier than first thought by Malagos. Malagos would reach his fellows only to find a scene of chaos. It looked as if some sort of civil war was breaking out between the proto-dragons. Passing his eye over the battle, Malagos could see seven separate fights taking place, one of which involved his friends Naltharian and Nosdormu. While these two were capable of defeating most other proto-dragons in single combat, they had ganged up on a single silver-green female, being quite tentative in their attacks. She, on the other hand, swiped and snapped with abandon, desperately seeking a mortal blow, not a semblance of tactics, just savagery. As Malagos landed, he noticed Naltharian, usually keen for a fight, sought to evade the female's attacks, her lunging at the charcoal grey and him scuttling back to avoid her bites. As the female drew ever closer, Nosdormu picked the perfect moment with pinpoint precision, darting in and ripping out the female's throat before she even could tell what happened. She turned to fight her new attacker, but with Red now covering her front, she barely had Nosdormu in her sights before dropping down dead. As Malago struggled to get a grip on what was happening before him, he noticed more savage proto-dragons being herded together. Despite the fact those dragons still with their senses clearly wanted to end their adversaries, Ysera was keeping those with a grip on their sanity in check, looking for a peaceful solution to the maddened dragons, making sure her allies were careful and stayed back far enough not to be struck by the gnashing jaws of the savages. Ysera was attentive to a fault, showing every bit of concern she had for her allies for the afflicted as well. Malagos appreciated Ysera's attentiveness to ensure no more bloodshed. After all, Galakrond was their enemy, not each other. But the Icy Blue couldn't shake the fact that he felt this was only going to end badly. He briefly took a glimpse at Talonixia, who was watching the scene unfold, an unreadable expression upon her face. Malagos looked back at the now somewhat subdued Feral Drakes. Even toward those they should know, the dragons didn't show any kind of recognition, biting at any that dared to come too close. The Blue also noticed that each of the dragons appeared to be sporting bite marks from a previous or recent fight. Making the connection, Malagos eyed his own wound on his leg. He was interrupted in his inspection by Alex Straza. She was relieved to see that Malagos was alive, and she and the rest of the Blue's friends had feared the worst for him. Malagos stated that had almost been the case, though his rival had perished. Before Malagos could elaborate upon the death of Koros, Alexstrasza looked back towards her sister. 
She said her mournful thoughts out loud. Ysera did not understand why these proto-dragons had to die. A statement which confused Malagos, as he did not see why they had to. Alex Trazer elaborated, reiterating what Malagos already knew, but had tried not to think about. The bites of the not living gave fellow proto-dragons a taste for each other, making them somewhat like Galakrond. Malagos looked at the savages with a shiver, remembering the times he had almost been taken by his bloodlust. Alex Straza confused his empathy with disgust at what the captives had turned into, letting out a hiss in agreement. She would change the subject, referring back to her sister. Still, Ysera thought that their clutch brother was out there, despite the fact that he had been long dead even before when Malagos had found him that day. This should have reassured Malagos, but now he was not so sure. So many things had happened since then. He had seen what terrible things Galakron was capable of, and could not be certain the beast was not capable of raising older victims as not living. It was true that other corpses had remained dead, killed around the same time as the sister's clutch brother, but who knows what may have happened since the last time Malagos saw those bodies. The Blue wondered if those corpses would still be there if he checked their locations again. His thoughts then returned to the wild dragons. They had all been in his situation, bitten by the not living, but they had succumbed to their lust for flesh. Remembering his struggle, all too aware of the bite mark he sported, Malagos considered leaving the other dragons, but he was compelled not to. He would hold his ground. Talonyxia finally decided to act. She shoved her way through the other proto-dragons up to Ysera and demanded the maddened drakes be killed. Ysera insisted they must try and help, but Talonyxia pressed forward, saying they would bite the other proto-dragons and, pushing Ysera closer to the savages, her as well. It was not a certainty that the bites of the afflicted would have the same effect as a bite from the not living, but there was no way to be certain. Even Ysera looked somewhat uneasy when Talonyxia threatened this. Without warning, one of the insane drakes hissed loudly and made for Ysera, with clear intent to strike. Alexstrasza would not be able to reach her sister in time. Ysera's uncertainty vanished and she fixed the primal drake with a certain steady gaze. This caused the proto-dragon's madness to subside somewhat, dropping its head down low and shuffling back into rank with the others. It seemed somewhat ashamed of what it had just tried to do to Ysera. Ysera turned to once again fix her gaze upon Talonyxia, stating that they must help. An increasingly frustrated Talonyxia told the small yellow that there was no time. They needed to fight Galakrond, a statement which most of the others hissed their agreement to. Even with little support, Ysera pressed her case. These proto-dragons were them, not some sort of monsters. They should help their own. The hissing died down somewhat, and the other dragons looked at each other, clearly considering what Ysera had said. Talonyxia finally seemed to submit to Ysera. They would help their own, but they would need to take the feral drakes to a location that not only protected the rest of the proto-dragons, 
but them as well. Talonyxia flew into the air, instructing Ysera to come, not even looking back as Talonyxia was certain Ysera would obey. Ysera gestured to the afflicted to follow her, and they heeded her, flanked by some of Talonyxia's most loyal followers. Without hesitation, Malagos, Alexstrasza, Neltharion, and Nosdormu also took to the skies to join the escort. It wasn't long before Talonyxia found where she was taking them. Indicating the narrow valley below them, she dipped down, the rest of the proto-dragons not far behind her. Upon the ground, she headed toward what looked like a simple rock wall. But as they drew closer, those following her could actually see a small crevice. Cautiously, Ysera questioned Talonyxia as to why she had chosen this place. Indicating the crevice, Talonyxia explained that the proto-dragons Ysera protected would wait out their conflict with Galakrond within the crevice. That way, they would not be a danger to the rest of the force. Ysera moved closer to the crevice, her suspicions about Talonyxia's motives growing. She looked around the crevice clearly sceptical this was a good place. When she yet again voiced her concern, Talonyxia informed the small yellow that they either filed into the crevice or they died. Seeing there was no way of arguing with the dominant female, Ysera merely nodded, but did not move. Talonyxia looked back at her followers and told them that four would guard the entrance to the crevice. Seeing that Talonyxia was on edge, and clearly somewhat restraining herself from slaughtering those Ysera had saved right there and then, the yellow moved from the entrance of the crevice, and led those she championed into it. Putting their trust in Ysera, the afflicted proto-dragons entered the crevice, one by one. As they waited and entered, Ysera was able to keep the dragons calm. With all the dragons in the crevice, the first of the guards started toward the entrance. But Talonyxia told them to wait. Ysera hissed, and Malagos and Neltharion started toward the proto-dragon leader, but were cut off by her followers. Opening her mouth, Talonyxia exhaled, shooting several bolts of lightning. They struck the rock face just above the crevice, causing tons of rock to come crashing down to block the entrance. In desperation, Ysera leapt toward the crumbling rock in a vain attempt to sacrifice herself to try and save those that had trusted her. Timely as ever, Nosdormu was able to seize one of Ysera's wings before she needlessly gave up her own life. Despite the fact Nosdormu had clearly taken the right action, Ysera snapped at him in rage, but Talonyxia soon became the object of her wrath. She rounded on the dominant female, but four proto-dragons darted in to protect her. They opened their mouths ready to strike, but were stayed by a commanding hiss from Talonyxia. She proclaimed it was done, spreading her wings to show off her imposing form. All the tainted, with no exceptions, must die. Talonyxia's proclamation had clearly not quelled Ysera's rage. She exhaled, stunning two drakes that were before her. With her path unimpeded, the yellow made for Talonyxia, but the imposing proto-dragon would not be taken by surprise. As Ysera neared, Talonyxia swung round, striking the smaller female across the head with her powerful tail. Ysera was stunned and sent reeling. Alexstrasza moved in to help her sister, slowing her trajectory, but the two ended up in a heap on the floor. 
Talonyxia spoke as if Ysera's attack had not happened, repeating that the act of sentencing the afflicted to their deaths had been done. They must now ready themselves for their battle with Galakrond. She and her followers departed, while those loyal to Ysera, the drakes of different families, remained. The others moved to help the sisters, but before they even reached them, Ysera was back to her feet, making her way back toward the settling rocks. Ignoring the small pieces that still fell, Ysera desperately used her hindpaws to move the rocks in a vain attempt to clear the crevice. The more she tore away, the more rocks that fell to replace them. Alexstrasza righted herself and pulled her sister away from the cliff face before she did herself an injury. Clearly distressed, her frantic gaze meeting with her sisters, Ysera pleaded with Alexstrasza to save those that had been trapped. She could still hear them through the stones. The situation was useless. Even with a small army of proto-dragons looking to dig their affected brethren out, they would not have managed it. Ysera knew this too, but that did not stop her returning to the rock pile to once again try digging out the now lost proto-drakes. Ysera's friends placed themselves between her and the rocks to end her useless struggle, pushing her back. She stared at the rocks, despondently, and at one point, Malagos heard her mutter the name of her clutch brother. Dralad. It took a while for Ysera to finally calm, but her gaze remained distant as if her mind were elsewhere. Eventually, Malagos told his friends they must go. Notharion was in agreement. The hunt for Galakrond would soon begin, and they should be there. Nosdormu somewhat mocked how Notharion had put it. They would not be hunting for Galakrond. It would be Galakrond who was hunting them. The brown took to the skies, and to the surprise of the others, was immediately followed by Ysera. As they flew, Ysera looked back at the cave mournfully, and then to Malagos, but not directly. She eyed the wound upon his leg. And we'll find out more in Dragon Saga Episode 5, The Giant of Iron. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed. As always, I'd really appreciate any support. If on YouTube, subscribe, like, and the other lovely YouTube giblets. On Spotify, give this podcast a follow. And on iTunes, give us a review. That would be amazing and really support this endeavour. Until next time, guys. Bye-bye.